You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Last week, the draft House of Representatives uh, Farm Bill came out, and here to talk with me about it is IATP Senior Program Associate Tara Ritter. Um, you'll notice if you go on our website that IATP has put together a portal of all of our writing on the Farm Bill over the last uh, 20 years. And if you're interested in learning about Farm Bill history and farm, the Farm Bill's connection to global trade, uh, that's a very uh, valuable resource. But right now we're going to dig into the draft of the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, spoiler alert, it's not good. Um, <laughs> but uh, Tara, why don't just start briefly with a, um, a very brief summary of what the Farm Bill is. The Farm Bill is um, a massive bill that is reauthorized every five years and it impacts pretty much everyone. Uh, it's split into two big pieces. So the first piece is support for farm programs and the second piece is the nutrition title, uh, which includes money for um, SNAP or food stamps and other nutrition assistance. Um, so the, the, maybe the most notable cut, uh, well, I guess I'll preface that by saying uh, this farm bill is almost all cuts. There were some uh, small programs that saw increases, but primarily and especially in the, in the food side, there have been a lot of cuts. But on the farm side, uh, perhaps the most notable cut is to the Conservation Stewardship Program, which if I am reading this right, was eliminated. Well, I'll start by saying that conservation as a whole is taking a $1 billion cut over 10 years in this proposed bill. Uh, also important to note that this proposed bill is not guaranteed to pass. Um, so in this proposed bill, conservation is taking a $1 billion hit over 10 years. Uh, the Conservation Stewardship Program in particular has been eliminated. Uh, the House Ag Committee Chairman uh, is saying that that's because its most important features have been retained within other conservation programs. We know that's not true. It's mostly been cut. Uh, the Conservation Stewardship Program is uh, the only program in the Farm Bill that provides comprehensive conservation support for farmers. So it really enables uh, farmers to undertake some stewardship efforts that they might have not been able to take otherwise. All right. So. Um Help me understand the Conservation Stewardship Program a bit more. Um, so this is for land that's still in production, but for farmers to employ different conservation practices. So explain what some of those practices are and why the program is that's in the Farm Bill is important, or funding that was in previous Farm Bills is important. Sure. So CSP is the only program that provides comprehensive program support. So it helps farmers put together long-term um, stewardship practices and multiple ones on their land. Uh, some of these practices that are covered by CSP can include um, cover crops, installing windbreaks, uh, putting buffers along waterways, um, way more stuff than that, but those are just a couple examples. Would we could be considering these sustainable agriculture practices opposed to like conventional ag? Like how are the two, why, why is doing this stuff unique? So implementing some of these conservation practices, yes, I would say falls under sustainable agriculture and um, really does increase resilience of farms and provides a lot of environmental benefits as well. I think the sticking point is that a lot of these practices do cost something up front. And so sometimes farmers um, stumble over that initial cost piece and that er, prevents them from putting them into practice. CSP um, is a modest payment for producers to be able to employ these conservation programs, um, providing enough support to maybe eliminate that initial hurdle. 
of the cost. And why, why would the chairman say that the uh, CSP is being reflected in other programs in the Farm Bill? So the stewardship contracts, which are part of CSP, have been uh, rolled into EQIP. However, there's um, not a lot of funding to support that, and essentially the program is being eliminated. Uh, it seems to be lip service to advocates who have been um, hoping for an expanded CSP. Okay. Um, so let's switch gears and talk about crop insurance. I think when people hear the words farm bill, they think about, oh, farmers are getting handouts from the government or whatever, you know. Um, but uh, what is the crop insurance system? Because it's different than how payments used to work in previous farm bills. Yeah, and I would begin by emphasizing that crop insurance is totally necessary. Um, farming is risky. We all know that the weather is getting more and more volatile and um, you know, if we want to eat and if we want farmers to produce, they do need some type of safety net. Uh, crop insurance provides that, but it is not a perfect program by any means. Uh, we've been advocating, we were hoping in this farm bill that there would be um, improved program access. It's been a little bit more difficult for smaller or diversified operations to um, get adequate crop insurance. Um, we did not see any of that expanded program access in this draft. Uh, there are also certain um, pieces of crop insurance that actually disincentivizes some conservation practices. So for instance, um, you know, in previous farm bills, and I guess in this current draft, uh, there are things like cover crops that have very specific rules around them, um, including termination dates and things like that. And all of those rules can prevent producers from putting them on their land because they don't want to lose their crop insurance payments. Uh, we were really advocating for um, a crop insurance program that would incentivize stewardship practices, but we continue see, to see the opposite. And um, so uh, crop insurance is essentially risk mitigation um, that can be really, really helpful for uh, smaller farmers. Um, but also some of the big mega farms um, you know, tens of thousands of acres uh, in monoculture are, I mean, they're also able to access uh, the crop insurance system and uh, this farm bill kind of enables them to maybe take advantage of the system. Um, explain that a little bit. So we are in a time of um, really low commodity prices and a lot of overproduction. Uh, it's a tough time for farmers out there. Uh, so sometimes we see really large farmers um, realizing that they can collect more from crop insurance than from uh, growing the crop just because of such low commodity prices. Uh, so that's something that should be wrestled with and that um, we're currently seeing. So, so CSB is, is, is the biggest cut. What would maybe the next biggest uh, program be that's uh, been affected? Well, I certainly haven't uh, ranked every individual program. There's a ton of stuff going on in this farm bill. Um, but if I could, I'll jump to the nutrition title that has seen a lot of cuts and also different requirements put in. Uh, there have always been work requirements for people to be eligible for uh, SNAP, also known as food stamps stands for the Supplemental Nutrition um, Assistance Program. 
Currently, there's about three and a half million people that are on SNAP that are subject to those work requirements, but they have um, become more stringent in this draft, and it would probably impact um, up to five and a half to six and a half million people. Uh, oftentimes, these work requirements just make it too difficult for people to apply for the program or be enrolled in the program. Um, so it's really a, a hit for people needing nutrition assistance. Uh, and so when we talk about the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, um, it, often we hear the Farm Bill talked about as this rural-urban compromise, right? So it's uh, crop insurance payments for farmers and uh, nutrition assistance for the urban poor. But what we, we actually see is that uh, rural communities are just as dependent on the food title, and in some cases more dependent than they are on the farm title, um, that poverty is, is not an urban phenomenon. Um, but what's the reality in, in rural communities? Yeah, um, you know, the Farm Bill is complex and these programs are nuanced and um, simplifying it down to an urban, urban rural compromise is, um, you know, it's really tough. Uh, these issues can't be boiled down or simplified neatly. Um, one reality that we do know is um, poverty, it does not have geographic bounds. Um, it impacts people all over the place. We know that actually um, folks in rural areas are more likely to depend on SNAP. Um, one statistic is that uh, nearly 16% of rural residents receive SNAP benefits and uh, about 12.5% of urban residents receive SNAP. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a decent percentage uh, in both rural and urban areas, but we do know that um, rural communities are just as dependent, uh, more dependent on this type of nutrition assistance than uh, urban communities. And some of the things, you know, uh, it's interesting what we've seen with some of these plans to uh, introduce additional requirements for participation in the program is that it actually adds more bureaucracy um, because uh, trying to figure out whether or not someone is working, that costs money to verify all that, and so it actually ends up not being a lot of savings. Um, you know, there had been this coalition of groups um, working to limit the amount of, of money that would be going to large factory farms or CAFOs. It looks like that actually did make it into the bill, uh, which is not good. Um, talk about that a bit. Well, there's um, quite a few handouts in this farm bill to uh, both CAFOs and just massive Mega, mega farms, I guess I could call them. So basically, this is handouts to the, to the largest farms. Um, explain the, the, the EQIP program briefly and why it doesn't make sense for a, uh, a large factory farm to be getting that money. EQIP is the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, and it also is a working lands conservation program. Uh, it's different from CSP in that it's kind of for one-off conservation practices. So whereas CSP allows farmers to implement whole farm conservation programs, EQIP is kind of uh, assistance for one practice. So in this current draft of the Farm Bill, uh, CAFOs are now eligible to receive more conservation dollars than they have in the past. Uh, you know, this is not only through EQIP, this is through the Farm Bill as a whole. So this makes it even more competitive for uh, smaller diversified farm operations to receive the support since they're competing more with CAFOs. Um, and then lastly, let's um, talk about local food systems. There had been a lot of movement, um, I would say probably prior to uh, the 2016 election, to really make local food systems part of the farm bill. Uh, and now we've seen a reversal of that. So what's going on there? 
Uh, to give a brief overview, um, there has been a lot of funding that's been effectively eliminated from uh, local foods or regional foods programs. Uh, Value-added producer grants are more or less eliminated. Um, the National Organic Certification Cost Chair Program is essentially eliminated. Um, and then completely cut is the Rural Energy for America Program, or REAP. Uh, so all of these things are making it tougher for uh, smaller farmers who are trying to participate in the local food systems to be able to do that. Obviously, this farm bill isn't going to get passed in its current form. Uh, it's it's going to get marked up in committee apparently this week or next week. And then uh, it seems like this version of the farm bill that's in the House is pretty much dead on arrival in the Senate. Um, what are advocates um, asking for kind of in the near and long term on the farm bill? Um, what, do we, what do we want to see happen in maybe a, a best case but still plausible scenario? It's hard to say what's plausible. I know advocates are um, pushing our same asks as before, which you know many likely won't be integrated. We do want to at least maintain funding for programs that have been important for us, including conservation programs, so things like the Conservation Stewardship Program. We're at least advocating that that stays as a standalone program and has the same amount of funding as it has previously. Uh, with other programs too, just advocating for no cuts um, you know, we know by now that we're not going to see increases to a lot of these things, but if we can at least maintain the status quo, that's more of a win than what this draft bill puts forward. All right, well, we'll continue to update on the Farm Bill uh, progress as it uh, drags out over the summer and potentially into the fall. Uh, Tara, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more information on farm bills past and present, you can visit our website, iatp.org. I want to thank Andrew Risso for editing this podcast and remind you, you can download Uprooted on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please give us a positive rating. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll talk to you next time.